0: What's good, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Amatelica T.I.S. podcast with your host, yours truly, Jai Shields. Got a good show for you here on this Wednesday, February 17th, the year 2021. It's going to be an interesting program. Football season's over. Uh, you know, it's not, you know, pitchers and catchers report with the uh, Baseball, but no spring training games and no big time news and the news that was with Trevor Bauer and Justin Turner already discussed on uh, last week's episode. So it's, it's what's, what's the lead today? Where should I start? Where should I uh, open the show as far as uh, the world of sports is concerned on this international podcast? Because yes, uh, 90, 96% of my audience lives in the United States of America and then the other uh, four remaining percent is spread out across the UK, Canada, and even Ireland, as a matter of fact. But what's the lead? You know, I can't get I'm I I'm, I can't get into Draymond Green's comments that he said the other night about you know the double standard with uh, you know with how players are treated versus team versus teams are treated when it comes to trades and trans and free agency transactions and the double standard. With the teams being, you know, criticized amongst the media, can't get into that, could care less about the Daytona 500 that had about like five rain delays and two big time crashes that didn't end until about 1230 in the morning on a Sunday night headed into uh, into the wee hours of Monday morning on the East Coast. Uh, I've screamed and talked about enough of Russell Wilson and his and his uh, comments with Dan Patrick and Carson Wentz, where he wants to go and Deshaun Watson, where Deshaun, I've heard enough Deshaun Watson talk to last a the last Deshaun, lifetime the Deshaun Watson talk about, you know, his whereabouts and him being. Unhappy in Houston. It started. It started Wild Card Weekend, which was the second weekend in January, and here we are near the halfway point of February, and we're still talking to Sean Watson. I, I can't. And and you know the discussion that well, the Panthers are, in the, are now the uh, they are now the newest team to throw their. Uh, to throw their uh, name into the hat oof, to uh, see if they if the Texans can part ways with Deshaun Watson to get them down to uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. So I can't do Deshaun Watson for the nine million. I can't do it. I'm in here, Sean, Deshaun Watson, this, Deshaun Watson. You know, I, I hit, just to give you a, a feel of an idea of how much Deshaun Watson talk I heard. Outside of the six games outside of the, when it came to the football talk outside of the six games heading into wild card weekend which if I go back and look on your handy dandy apple calendar wild card weekend was the weekend of January 9th and January 10th and I heard nothing but Deshaun Watson this, Deshaun Watson that because of course you saw that video of him and J.J. Watt walking off the field at the end of that Week 17 game at home against Tennessee, where their uh, kicker—I forget his name, his uh, name skips me right now—but he hit the field goal off of uh, the upright and and went through to uh, to uh, clinch the division for Tennessee, only to have them you know go to the playoffs and and get him and not embarrassed but to get dominated for the most part by the Baltimore Ravens the weekend after but it was it was the three games on wild card weekend Bills and Colts was the first game and then it was Deshaun Watson's whereabouts and that was on January 9th January 10th and now we and now we're sitting here February 17th nearly 2 weeks after the Super Bowl uh, has and the after the super bowl and the 2020 NFL playoffs have been concluded the playoffs are, the playoffs are over with the super bowl is over with we have a champion now and, you know Brady is out on is already you know going for eight, so he's already flipped the page, you know, in some form of fashion. He's already flipped the page to the to his two thousand twenty one Tampa Bay Buccaneers season. And here we are still talking about Deshaun Watson's whereabouts because he has not left uh, the Houston Texans organization yet in what's been a month and a, a week or so's. Uh, time, So I can't get into him. J.J. J. Watt, we discussed him getting let go. He heard interest, you know, that Cleveland uh, looks, from what I've seen via social media and within the news, that the, that the Brownies are uh, looking to be uh, the favorite as far as the organizations that want J.J. J. Watt the most. You hear in Cleveland. Uh, you hear in Cleveland. You hear in Pittsburgh. Other than that, you're really not hearing much of anything. And unless JJ Watt goes to a team that is a that is a big time playmaker away on defense, you know, eh, Cleveland for example, Cleveland. uh let's see cleveland if he goes to pittsburgh he he could you know the only reason why jj white would go to pittsburgh is to play with his brothers jj J. white going to the pittsburgh steelers is not does not make under any circumstances the pittsburgh steelers a super bowl contender so outside of cleveland i have to think about uh i'd have to think about maybe a couple other teams but but in the big picture, I think it's safe to say that regardless where J.J. Watt is, Sa ends up going, that that team isn't going to be a shoe in to uh, Super Bowl Fifty Six at a SoFi Stadium in Inglewood, uh, California, come February of two thousand and twenty two. Um and and uh, and again can't again can't get into Russell Wilson. You know Russell Wilson making sure for the ten thousandth ten thousandth. Time on social media, you know because he, for whatever the reason feels obligated to tell the whole world that Sierra is his wife and that he loves sierra and 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 it's just such a blessing being being a future that's uh, that's the kid being his stepfather I mean it's just Russell get the hell off of social media and just just please. We get it. You love your wife. You love being a stepfather. God bless you. God bless the job that you're doing. God bless the great family. Man, you are, but in, but no one in America gives a damn, Russell. I hate to piss on your bonfire, but nobody cares. Um, I haven't been into college basketball, so I can't lead with that because I haven't really been into the flow of things as far as college basketball is concerned. I saw a Michigan finish off Wisconsin on Sunday afternoon, uh, texting back and forth with uh, uh, the great Christopher Mad Russo's son, Colin, who we've had on the program back in early mid December when he went nuts about his ja- about his uh, about his uh, Jaguars and the uh, and the and the ridiculousness that was the uh, final minute of that Raider Jet game, I believe in week thirteen or fourteen, whatever it was. So me and him were texting back and forth. He of course goes to the University of Wisconsin, so he's all in on it. Um, in Michigan, who Hadn't played in about two, three weeks along those lines because of COVID protocols, and they're like, and they're ranked top five in the nation as far as uh, the, the top uh, men's D one basketball programs are concerned in this twenty 2020, twenty 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 one college basketball season. Have been in the Florida, co- I've been in the floor of things with college basketball. We should, we should get Colin on again. I'm thinking around. I'm thinking maybe the weekend of Selection Sunday or somewhere around before March Madness starts up. You know, cause he'll have a feel on the whole thing because you know he lives and dies by the by the stuff. You know, cause he's doggy's son. Cause of of course, of course, he lives and dies by it. But hopefully, we'll get a uh, Colin on sometime in March. Maybe get get him sooner than that so he can. Educate me and you, the listener, you know, who's not really in a la uh, Hayden in, in uh, D.C., who, you know, who watches every college, every Big Ten college basketball game with bated breath. You know, he can maybe give us a sense. Uh, maybe we'll get him on one of these times because I'm told on March Madness expect a lot of uh, shows where it's me, you know, trying to fill at the minimum 45 minutes to an hour. I mean, because there's just absolutely college basketball, coll- college basketball, NBA. And uh, and that's pretty much it. Baseball, no big time news to talk about, and who cares about pitchers and catchers reporting? They haven't played any games yet, so you know it's not. Like you can you know go ahead and break down uh, Yankees and or Yankees and Orioles at a uh, George Steinbrenner Field. Uh, in Tampa, a block away from Raymond James, uh, you know, Garrett Cole, uh, you know, f- four strikeouts uh, through uh, four, four and two thirds uh, innings pitched, going up against a single A lineup, single A lineup, and uh, striking out uh, Adley Rutschman, the uh, catcher out of Oregon State, who the uh, Orioles drafted uh, in 2019. Nate, it was a nineteen, it was a 20, it 20? But they, but he is their uh, number one overall uh, draft pick, the catcher out of uh, Oregon State, and then it's just you know I I can't go there either. Um, like I said, pitchers and catchers reporting in baseball spring training today. I got to see. Haven't seen uh, Matt Harvey yet. See what the uh, what the Dark Knight who was about an eyelash away from having one of the most memorable World Series World Series performances you ever going to see in 2015 against uh, Kansas City as a member of the uh, New York Mets. And uh, you know, and Felix Hernandez is a uh, is now a Baltimore Oriole. Which now, granted, they're both past their prime, and they're both minor league deals. But if you would have told me in 2015 that somehow Felix Hernandez and Matt Harvey, who once upon a time was one of the most dominant pitchers in their respective dominant starting pitchers in their respective leagues, uh, King Felix in the American League with with the Mariners, and then Matt Harvey, who was one of the best pitchers in all of baseball short five years ago with the Mets. If you would have told me five years ago that they both would be on the Baltimore Orioles, I would have I would have had a, a unique reaction to that. Um, the or- I also can't yell and scream about the fact that FanGraphs gave uh, the Orioles a 0.0% chance to make the postseason. You know they released all of the- they released their uh, their postseason percentages for all 30 teams, and the Orioles were the only team that had a 0.0% chance to make the playoffs according to FanGraphs. Can't yell and scream about that because when you look at the Baltimore Orioles in the absolute uh and the absolute dis- disgrace of a uh disgrace of a of a uh organization as a franchise they have been the last uh couple of years. I'm not gonna count twenty twenty because, you know, obviously I can't say well in twenty twenty they didn't lose hundred games. We can you know, duh of course they didn't lose hundred games. you can't lose hundred games if you if you don't play hundred games. Um they you know they finished ten games below five hundred and in fourth place, which wasn't which wasn't terrible. Four seventeen winning percentage their highest winning percentage that they had since twenty seventeen when they finished seventy-five and eighty-seven um and fourth consecutive season where they uh, failed to make the playoffs. But you know when you lose 108 games in 2019 plus 115. So let's do the math here. 108 plus 115 plus and then we go to 2017. Uh yeah, can we go 2017? Cause that was you know that was their third most recent losing season, not counting the 60 game, you know, for 2020. So if you, so, uh, and then plus the 87 that they lost when you lose again, not counting 2020, when you lose 310 games over the, over the past 362 game seasons, when you're, when, you, when you've lost a combined 300 Plus games over the last three seasons, where you had, you know, where of course you played the full 162. I can't yell and scream about, you know, about some uh, projection analytic, you know, sports uh, media company or, or, uh, or, uh, st- or, you know, or social media account. Giving the Orioles a zero point zero zero percent chance to make the postseason when you've lost a total of three hundred and ten games in the last three complete 100, 162 game seasons. I can't I can't yell and scream and come to the Orioles' defense on that. You don't like it? Do yourself a favor. Don't look. Here's what here's what the Orioles. Can do and here's brand hide all of you this is if you're so bothered by it or or if you you know or if it's or if it you know makes or if has a little burn in, in your belly and get you a little fired up, fired up and get you a little riled up here's what I want to tell them okay instead of you know going see instead of you know losing you know okay you won't lose a hundred games granted because eventually they're gonna get better by default. but here's what here's what I want to tell them okay Go seven, go seventy and ninety-two, win seventy games, win seventy-five games, you know, hold, you know, hold first place for a couple of days, and you know, in uh, late May, early June. We all know you aren't making the playoffs, and if you think they are, you need your head examined. We all know they aren't making the playoffs. And we we all know that the Orioles are years away from competing in a for being World Series com- cha- uh, champions, let alone uh, competitors as far as winning the AL East is concerned. But here's what I want from the Orioles, okay? And and nobody and nobody cares about the month of April. Yeah, you know, it's a wash. Uh-uh. Here's here's what I want from them, okay? Let it be. I give you a perfect example. Let it be on my birthday weekend. My birthday is on a Saturday, May the twenty-ninth. I'll be nineteen. And let me see who the Orioles play at weekend too. Um but here's what I want Brandon Hyde and uh and the crew to uh do for yours truly. This 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 is what I want from you guys. They play Chicago, which will be a, good, you know, they got a, wow, they got a tough road trip. Washington, then the Twins, and Chicago, which will be good with Tony LaRusso. Here, here, here's what I want them to do. Here's what, I want, here's what I want from them. Okay? Here's what I want. Come into Chicago, nice little win streak, five, six game win streak, and. When I go back to the pre, you know, to earlier in the month of May, let me see you hold first place by at the minimum two days. Let me, let me, let me see you in first place. You know, past uh, past April, uh, past April thirtieth. Let me see you in first place for a couple of days. Let me, you know, when and when it's all said and done, let me see you. You know, win seventy plus games. I am not asking you to win eighty, but go, win seventy to seventy five games. Prove, prove them something and and prove to me and and everyone else something. Have have a, have a little chip on your shoulder. Have a little something to prove. Win seventy, seventy five games. Then no one expects you to make the postseason. Just say hell oh, with it, you know. For the first time in three years, let's 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 win seven at least seventy games. Why not? What the hell? Just go out and win seventy games, seventy seventy five games. Like it's no problem. And then and then you do that, and then you can build. You know, you finish seventy five and eighty seven. You, know, you build the building blocks and you improve on that from there. And then next thing you know, 70 and 87, or do I have that right? 70, not 70 and 87. Um, What the? 75 and 87. You know, win 70 to 75 games. Go 75 and 87. Go 75 and 87. Then go 81 and 81. Go 81 and 81. Win 85 games. Win 88. Then you start building the blocks back and then you start to be a competitive baseball team again. But... You know, so I I can't I can't go crazy on that because because they they straight up they haven't earned every, the outsiders respect based on their abysmal play in previous years. Um, I'm into the Australian Open uh, women's single semifinal with, between Naomi Osaka and Serena Williams. Osaka is Japanese, uh, of course. Serena is American, but they're both uh, they're both black women, and it's Black History Month, and I'm all about you know the black athletes uh, showing up and showing out on the big national stage. So regardless who wins, so regardless who loses, Black America wins. Uh, it's just a matter of who do you like better, Osaka or Serena is. Uh, it's Comes, that's all it comes right down to. Uh, that game, that match will start at 10 o'clock uh, Eastern time. That's 7 o'clock out west for you, Mike and EOC, if you care. I'll be into that. Uh, I'll be into that tennis match. Ain't, what the hell? Ain't nothing else better to watch on TV outside of the latest episode of Chicago PD on your local NBC station. I'll be into that if you care. <clears throat> uh, Mr. Badley, my uh, junior English teacher, who who is either... Uh, trenching around uh, the uh, pl- the uh, the countryside of Oklahoma or is in his uh Baltimore City apartment uh grading uh grading his uh grading his uh his uh, latest paper that, that was due previously. Uh and hopefully he's doing well. Have not heard or seen from him since probably it's been a, it's probably been a year since I've last seen or seen, seen or heard from him since I hope he's doing well and if he is and he happens to be uh, listening to this program which I doubt it because only 18 of you uh, loyal listeners out there do uh Hayden uh Hayden uh, Colin Russo in between uh Wisconsin Badger basketball games and, uh, Mike and EOC, of course, chilling on his, uh, back patio, sipping his iced tea, reminiscing about, uh, the Showtime Laker days and on hold for Mad Dog Sports Radio, uh, you know, waxing poetic to, who is he talking to? Oh, Patrick Mawa at this hour, you know, telling Patrick that he ran into, uh, Jerry West at, uh, old, at his, uh, Old Navy in, uh, somewhere in LA Live circa 2003, uh, but uh hopefully if mr badley is listening to this that he is uh, doing well and if he is i say hello to him uh, he, he knows i have this podcast i sent it to him uh, once upon a time about 2 years ago uh hopefully he's listened along the way and uh and that he will enjoy tonight's uh, tennis match i could i tell you i tell you this i could lead with this as well i could lead with uh i could go absolutely nuts and go berserk over the over the self-absorbed the self-absorbed pretentious people on Instagram, who feel the and Twitter too, who feel the need to post pictures and videos of themselves with their significant other celebrating Valentine's. They like a bunch of six-year-olds, you know. Got a Valentine. Someone loves them. Got a card. Got candy that was on sale, and got it and got a gift that you know their significant other had to take out on a a, a a loan for. You know, acting like a bunch of uh, acting like a bunch of uh, children because they got a Valentine's Day gift when Christmas was not even two months ago. I mean, holy hell, guys! Stay, take it easy. And for all you self-absorbed dopes, you know who you are, that feel the need to post every single freaking video and picture of you and your significant other celebrating Valentine's Day, making the pe- making the uh, making the single individual like yours truly feel like the scum of the earth, wanting to wanting to go getting. In a car, in when it's minus twenty, 20 degrees outside, you know, and uh, and get, get on to the uh, rail of a Chesapeake Bay Bridge and go uh, skinny dipping uh, in the uh, in the in the bay. The police lay low. Holy crap! We get it. You have a significant other. For you know, for the next two months, and, uh, and happy to have me in your life. Okay, hit your knees. Thank God. Enjoy them and move the hell on. Oh my goodness gracious! These people drive me nuts. I mean, it's it's from celebrities to it's from celebrities to the public figures to just the average Joe. I mean, no one in America gives a damn about you and your significant other celebrating Valentine's. They keep it to yourself, you dopes. Oh my God Almighty. I could I c I could I could do the whole show dedicated on that, but I won't I'll spare you. Uh, also because I just don't feel like screaming and yelling. I've screamed and yelled enough the past the uh, previous two episodes with the Chiefs and of course Russell Wilson last week. Um and then uh Tom Brady. Uh the great uh Tom Brady, TB twelve, hundred percent on board with uh with him and the company. Um I don't expect to get any shout outs or to get any uh, tweets or Instagram posts liked because you know he's Tom Brady's probably got ears and eyes all over the place and he probably I w- I would be shocked if he did um not like anybody again not like anybody listens to the show anyway but I, you know, when I killed him for not shaking Foles's hand in October, and when I killed him that he didn't shake Goff's hand in November, so I've been all, I've been, uh, I, I've been all over uh, Tom Brady, and again, a lot of his decision making and his behavior, I, I do not, I do not support, and I do not like under any circumstances. But better late than never, than to hop on this uh, TB12 uh, bandwagon. So why not? The TB12 uh, Orange Creamsicle T-shirt came in the mail uh, today. If you follow me on Instagram at the J Shield or on Twitter at the J Shield, you saw that I posted a uh, a, a a picture of the uh, very nice and it's. It, I haven't worn it yet. I have my uh, my uh, my long sleeve black Michael Jordan 23 Engineered for Flight shirt on because it is the great. Uh, fifty-eight. It is the uh the goat, the greatest. Don't let anyone tell you different. Uh, they, if they tell you LeBron J Jen- nonsense, the, the fifty-eight years old today, the greatest basketball player of all time, Michael Jordan. Today is his birthday today, so I pay homage to the goat by uh, wearing one of his uh, Jordan brand shirts that I got. This one I got um for uh, when did I get this? I think I got this for my. Either my birthday, I think I can't remember, but I got I got it recently, so I'm wearing that today. Haven't worn a TB12 shirt yet, and already in, in your hand it feels uh feels soft and it feels comfortable. that's gonna be I, summertime. That's gonna be my favorite shirt to wear. I can already tell. Um, I got it an extra large just in case you know it shrinks in the wash. It's still you know big enough for me to wear. You know, out in public and for me to work out in and stuff like that. Um, I was a little disappointed when I got it because, you know, I'd expect, you know, it's Tom Brady for crying out loud and he's got that TB12 logo and he's got his own website, his own, I would think that, you know, I'd get it and I'd get it in some, in some pretty cool, and some pretty cool, uh, I don't like to use this word, but cool, neat, uh, TB12 packaging, you know, says, you know, you know, a black, you know, like a white, a white and red or a black and red, uh, TB12 bag that has a nice little platinum shiny TB12 logo on it with, you know, with one of, you know, with a Tom Brady quote with his, with his, uh, with his, uh, autograph signature, you know, copied and pasted on there. None of that. It just came in in a regular bland, boring white bag. And then you open it up and I was like, ah, that's the shirt. That's the shirt that I asked for. So, uh, so uh, I would have liked it to you know to come in, in some pretty cool packaging you know to you know to let me know right off the bat that it's my TV the shirt uh that was in the mail but uh but it's a nice shirt and uh I will not wear it while it's still again as I know the weather's terrible in 75% of America but at least and, and God bless you and Please be safe and stay as warm as you possibly can down there in the state of Texas. But it, up here in Maryland, I swear, I swear on, I swear to you, that it snows. It le- it snows at least once a week up here. I mean, if, if starting with, um, I have to go back to think. Uh, the week, the weekend in between the Super Bowl, the the January thirtieth, January thirty first. From that weekend to this point, it snowed at least once a week, every single week. It snowed, it snowed that last Sunday in January. It snowed, it snowed that two, they either that I think that Monday to that Monday and Tuesday. Um, of Super Bowl week it snowed th- it snowed then and then last when and then last Wednesday it's it's it snowed last Wednesday and now they're calling for weather here in the Maryland area on uh tonight had it Tonight through all day Thursday and then fifty one percent chance on Friday, so it snowed what what would have been pro Bowl week in the last weekend in January it snowed the first it snowed the first couple of days of Super Bowl week it snowed last Wednesday and now it's going to snow tonight heading into thursday i so it's, uh, it's do I have it's been uh it's counting to if it ends up which most likely it will if it snows tonight through Thursday this is going to be the fourth straight week. Where you know where we've had where we've had snowfall and snow on the ground. I mean, I can't get a break every single week. I'm out there. I'm shoveling snow. I mean, and then and, you know, and then a couple days go by where where the temperature's below you know 20 degrees. You know, it's it's 40, 45, 50 some degrees. You know the snow for the most part melts away, and you still see white patches of snow. And before all the snow can literally melt away, another snowstorm is on its way. So it's just it's just too much. You know, my sister hates it when I say this, but it's just too much freaking snow. I mean, I'm sick of shoveling it. I'm 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 sick of walking in it. I'm I'm sick of having to clean it and to, you know, get it out of my way so it's not an inconvenience when I'm out there walking doing, you know, doing the trash and and just and just, you know, walking, you know, outside in the driveway. It's just, every single time I turn around, I got a shovel snow. I oh, uh, my goodness gracious. And then before and then before you get a new snowstorm on its way, the leftover snow from 3 weeks ago was still sitting there on the ground. So it's just, I mean, I get, I mean, to be, I mean, to be fair, we didn't have that much snow last winter. So I mean, I, I, I can't, you know, live in a cold weather climate and expect it not to snow. But it's like, it, again, once a week for the last four weeks, it's done nothing but snow here. Well, at least once a week for the last four weeks, done nothing but snow. I mean, it's just, ugh, I can't, I, oh my goodness. T- 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 I need I need, I need a vacation. I need a vacation, or or uh, better be here tomorrow. One of the two, cause I you know we, the way I am. Once once Super Bowl's over, I'd like it to be. I'd like the day after the Super Bowl to be May first. <laughs> that ask anyone that knows me. Soon Super Bowl is over. I'd like it to be May first, the Monday after. Wake up, wake up. Eighty five degree eight. Wake up. Eighty degrees. Sunshine. Clear skies. No No snowflakes. That's that. Because I I I I I can't take and I, and I, and I can't stand the cold weather. Can't stand it. Can not stand it. But I'm on board with the uh, TB twelve to get off the beaten path. And uh the T B D and I ordered a thing of T B twelve electrolytes, uh peach mango flavored. Uh they are soon forthcoming. They I just ordered them today. They should be on the way within the next couple of days. Um, hopefully that, you know, Tom one of the things I like about Tom with his fit hold fitness regimen is that he's, you know, big on staying hydrated and drinking water and ask anyone who knows me. That is that is my Achilles heel when it comes to being fit and being healthy is drink, you know, is drinking water. You know, I you can ask me to go on a diet, and not and not one, you know, I junk food item can hit my lips. But the problem is, is that I is that I can't balance it with you know drinking enough water that I'm supposed to drink. And TB and Old Tommy is big time and is big as well as he he and Alex Guerrero for that matter should be drinking the water. And so I got those. Electrolytes, which should help me, you know, give my water a little bit of flavor. Which is, which, and again, I'm that type of person that doesn't like drinking water because, you know, outside of, unless it's sparkling because you know it has no taste to me. So hopefully the electrolytes will not only f- charge me up with the electrolytes because I, you know, because I work out at least four times a week, it also should help me, you know, drink more water and to be a better water drinker by providing. Uh, that flavor to it, and you know, and I gotta take out a I again, and the you know my only pet peeve is that the you know to get the vitamins and the supplements it costs an arm and a leg to to you know to get a little thing of vitamins and supplements. I'm like Brady, really, thirty-five dollars for a little for a little thing of uh, multivitamins, and you know, and fifty dollars for a uh, you know, and fifty dollars for you know for a thing of uh, supplements. Really, Tom. The electrolytes is cheap. I don't. I don't. The fifteen dollars for electrolytes isn't isn't terrible, and and thirty and thirty dollars for a T-shirt ain't bad. But you know, but I gotta take an arm and a leg, Tom, just for you know, for stuff that you know. I I understand it's your, it's your own little it's your own little concoction, but stuff that I could get, you know, for uh, at the vitamin shop or at Walmart for half of that time, really. But anyway. I'm uh, on board the TB12 train for as long as he takes me throughout uh, what's good with... I, I mean, it's going to be because he's you know, cause he's going to be 44 in August, but it's what's now the uh, twilight of Tom Brady's magnificent career. And to close out this 33-minute uh, and counting uh, opening monologue, uh, happy 26th birthday to... Pufesher, who if you recall uh, came on this program on August the 1st we had a nice uh, lengthy uh, chat and conversation about his youtube channel and 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 him personally and his life and his childhood and Lived in tampa and i should get he's another one i should get on in the near future by the way because i want to see how he's doing i want to talk to him you know how you know because you know i dm him i dm okay i dm him occasionally but you know we don't you know we don't spend hours of upon hours talking on the phone so i haven't heard his voice him speaking to me since that conversation back in august i got to get him back on um to talk about, you know, just you know, just to catch up, see how he's doing personally and how's the channel and uh and I also want to get his thoughts on um on uh 'cause you he, he lives in Tampa so I'd love to get his thoughts on what the city of Tampa was like uh during Super Bowl week and during Super Bowl Sunday and how the city of Tampa has uh, been get a little Tampa feel. Uh, after the Bucks won their second Super Bowl uh, championship in franchise history. So I want to get him on too within the near future. Uh, happy 26th birthday to him. He turned uh, 26 on Tuesday. So that's where you begin on this uh, Sports Talk podcast program. Take a break. I got uh, two uh, two uh, figures Amongst the uh, two uh, football figures who've recently passed away that I could kill a couple minutes on, uh, of course, that wasn't supposed to be a, 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 a you know, maybe a not the, not the best uh, uh, idiom or whatever you call it to use in that situation, because, um, you know, they didn't get killed, but, you know, it's just, anyway, bad choice of words there by me, but, I'll talk about uh, Vincent Jackson, his career, and Marty Schottenheimer, who died. Who died? You know, around the time at you know, who died a little uh, less recent, but haven't had a chance to talk about him and his career. I'll talk about them both, and they both ever, and they both also have tie-ins to the uh, to the San Diego Chargers as well. Talk about those two, Vincent Jackson, Marty Schottenheimer. I'm a podcast. Back after this. <laughs> Welcome back to the I'm tell Like a Ti Is podcast. Turns out, you know, when when I you know when I ask, you ask and you shall receive. Uh, the uh, The good gracious uh, sports talk gods gifted your boy a topic that I can discuss, which wasn't you know written in my uh, notes when I uh, hit re- when I f- hit record in the opening monologue, and that's. Uh, Fernando Tatis Jr.'s 14-year, $340 million contract extension with the San Diego Padres. I'll discuss that uh, next segment later on in the program. But in the meantime, uh, i got two uh, deaths that i got to address in the world of the NFL that occurred. Uh, Vincent Jackson, who died on Monday at the age of 38. Turns out it was uh, chronic alcoholism. What kid was what killed him. I guess he drank himself to death. And then uh, Marty Schottenheimer, who died of Alzheimer's, um, about a week or so ago. Do Vincent Jackson first, cause he passed uh, earlier in the week, uh, and then uh, and he's also had a lot shorter career, so I can you know and Marty Schottenheimer is just a lot to get to with Marty, but um, but with Vincent Jackson, you know, I I recall him why his receiving days with the Chargers and of course with Tampa. Was a very good receiver, not you know, very good receiver. You know, very, a, a a nice asset to have in your passing attack. He was three time, uh, he was three time Pro Bowler. Um, just go through his numbers. Right, he had a cut. He had a quite a few seasons with over a thousand yards receiving uh 2008 2009 2011 2012 13 14 so you had from 11 to 2014 that's one two three four straight seasons of uh of over a thousand yarder over of over a 1,000-yard receiving, uh, you know, uh, seasons from 2011-2014. Uh, That's four straight seasons of 1,000 yards receiving or more for Vincent Jackson. He had the back-to-back 1,000-yard receiving season in 2008-2009 with the Chargers. Um caught let's see uh, his touchdowns he, he uh, never he never had a double digit uh touch he never had a double digit uh touchdown receiving season uh the most he got in a season was 9 he got a, he got caught nine touchdowns twice in his career 2009 and in 2011 caught eight in 2012 seven in 2000 uh 13 and seven in two thousand and eight. So you know he had a slow start to his career. And he he had a slow start to his career, and in the last two seasons of his career, he wasn't he wasn't as effective. Uh, only played five games in two thousand sixteen with Tampa. Didn't catch a touchdown pass. Um, had one hundred and seventy three receiving yards. Uh, only had fifteen receptions that season in two thousand and sixteen. Uh, caught uh thirty three passes in the second of the last season where he had a hundred where he had five hundred forty three receiving yards and three touchdown catches. Uh, let's see. Uh, yards per catch. Uh, uh no, hold on, let me see. Uh, he had. He, he had a reset he had seasons where over 100 or 70 receptions or more a few times 2012 13 and 14 72, 78, and 70 um again uh, good very good receiver no scrub, not a slash he was very good formidable wide receivers in his great in his greatest days as a pro uh is his, his uh, he caught lightning in a bottle you know during his uh, end of his days with San Diego in his first few seasons with Tampa but a very good wide receiver he finished with uh, over 9000 receiving yards 9080 to be exact over 540 uh, receptions 57 touchdown catches uh, 57 touchdown catches and averaged um and had a uh, in yards per reception 16.8. Uh, and his long and his longest and his longest uh catch of his career was 95 yards that he had as his first season with Tampa in 2012. Uh, played in seven playoff games in his career. Let's go ahead and look at him. Uh, 2006. That was that famous game where that was that famous game where, and it, you know, and it's not and it's ironic, you know, that he and his old coach Marty Schottenheimer died in such, you know, close proximity of each other of each other because he played for Marty in San Diego, and that was uh, and that was that famous game in 2006 where. The uh, where the San Diego Charger, uh, some, you know, the uh, defender there has an inter- you know gets an interception which would have put the game away, and instead of him going down like which Marty told him to do, he decides to run a couple yards and he shades up, fumbles the football. New England gets it back. New England ends up winning the game, beating and knocking out uh, San Diego, and went on to play the Colts in the 2006 NFC Championship game, and of course, and then the Colts of course had that comeback, and the Colts went on to win Super Bowl uh, 41. Um, but it, it was, but that was the that was the uh, famous game on January 14th, the 2007, 2006 AFC playoffs. Um, he only he didn't have a big impact on the game, little to none at all. Targeted seven times, two receptions, forty-three yards. But he did play in that uh, in that aforementioned game that I'm gonna get to uh, with Marty Schottenheimer here in a minute. Um, 2000 and, and 2007. Uh, the Charges, of course, they went to the AFC Championship game and lost to New England that year. That, of course, was the game Philip Rivers played on that torn ACL. Torn ACL. He had a tremendous game against Tennessee in which they won by a final score of 17 to six. Uh, Vincent Jackson had caught a five receptions for 114 yards and a touchdown catching that game. He also had a solid performance. At Indianapolis, the week after caught seven. It was a uh, target seven times. Caught the seven passes passes from Philip Rivers his way, ninety three yards receiving and a touchdown catch for him. And then in the New England game, only put up twelve points in that game. Targeted nine times, caught six of the passes, ninety three yards. Failed to reach Painter in that championship game against uh, New England in two thousand and seven. Then made. The, then when uh. And then, when the Chargers made the playoffs the, the for a third year in a row in 2008, um, for a third year in a row in 2008, he played. Uh, he played in the two games. Lost to Pittsburgh 35-24. He only had two catches for 49 yards and a touchdown in that game. Uh, did not have a reception in the Indianapolis game the week prior. And then in his last, the uh, ever playoff game he ever played against the Jets in 2009 uh they lost in the division around 17-14 had a hell of a day though caught seven, caught seven balls for 111 yards receiving so if you put it all together seven seven games seven playoff games Vincent Jackson played in he caught uh he caught 29 catches for 503 yards and three touchdowns his uh career uh lifetime in the in the postseason for Vincent Jackson, R.I.P. Vincent Jackson lived to be 38 years of age. Just uh, celebrated his 38th birthday on uh, January of the, on uh, January the 14th, over uh, a little over a month ago. So R.I.P. Vincent Jackson, uh, rest in peace, and thoughts and prayers go to his family. We move on to his old coach in San Diego and Marty Schottenheimer, who as a coach in the NFL, you know had met, caught many of bad breaks um in eighty four you know coached with the coached with the browns coached with the chiefs spent that one year with uh with the redskins and then and then uh coached in san diego and coached that one year uh where uh vincent jackson played under marty that one year in two thousand six that aforementioned um and that aforementioned uh, playoff game uh went for, he uh in eighty five this is his first full year in cleveland went eight and eight uh finished at when eight and eight finished at uh five hundred uh in eighty six In eighty six the browns went twelve and four uh under schottenheimer um uh, let's go through it here um and then of course that and then of course that was uh and of course that that was um the drive, I think it was the drive and then it was the fumble, if I have that right. I, being a uh, football fanatic, should know that. I'm going to just take a moment and double check that. Uh It gives me some, uh you know, I'm not interested. God, guys, if I Google the drive, I'm not interested in a car, you dopes. Oh, my God. Uh, the drive, uh, the drive, and, uh, it was the drive, okay. So, it was the drive, and the fumble was, uh, was the year before, wasn't it? It's, that was 87, and the drive was, okay, the drive was in 80, was season of, eight, was the season of 86, happened in 1880, so the drive, then the fumble, so we're, okay, so we're before, okay, so we are, uh. So okay okay now we're on the same page. 86 with Cleveland like I said won the division went 12 and 4. Um they uh their team put up uh that in that year they put up they were ranked let's see. They were ranked uh had a pretty good offense, very good de- they had a very good offense, good def very good offense, good good uh defense. Um, they finished the season, they finished the season prior to the Bronco game with a nice little winch, with a nice, um, with a nice six game win streak. They beat, they took, they beat the Steelers, beat the Oilers. Both, both of those games ended up in, went the overtime, believe it or not. Uh, and then they beat Buffalo at Buffalo, beat the Bengals in Cincinnati, beat the Chargers, beat the jets in the you know in divisional round uh weekend that game also went into overtime uh as well and then of course and then and then the bronco and then of course uh the bronco game uh the, you know the drive that uh went that went into overtime in which cleveland lost by the final score of 23 to 20. and of course you know if you don't you know if you're unfamiliar with the drive here you go uh, Browns had a 20 to 20 to 13 lead, um, Brown, and after Denver had muffed the kick, had muffed the kickoff, they started their they started that drive first and ten at their own two yard line with 5:32 left to play, and then of course you know a pass to Sammy Winder, he, a five yard pass f- uh, from Elway to Sammy Winder, Winder gets to gets a couple of handoffs. Next thing you know is first and 10 at Denver's 26. 22 pass to Steve Sewell. Another first and 10 now Denver's at their own 48-yard line. Steve Watson catches a t- uh, 12-yard pass to Melway. Two-minute warning. First and 10 now at, at the Cleveland side of the field. And then at Cleveland side of the field. And then it's Dave po- Pozzoli. He sacks that for an eight-yard loss. And then on third and 18. A uh, third and 18. With a minute forty-seven to go at Cleveland's forty-eight-yard line, you get off the field. You, the field, you know, well it's four, uh Denver's in four-down territory, so you get so you get this stop, and then you stop them again. The game's over. You go to the Super Bowl. Uh, and, instead. Instead Elway converts uh converts a twenty yard pass to Mark Jackson and sets up uh Denver with a first and ten. Cleveland gets the ball or they have they have the ball at Cleveland's twenty-eight yard line. Then on a second and ten with a, with seventy seconds left in the game with fourteen passes, Steve Sewell uh, sets up another first and ten for uh, for Denver. Then on a second and ten with forty two seconds left, Elway runs for a nine yard scramble. Third third and one at Cleveland's five yard line. Mark Jackson catches a five yard pass from Elway for the for the touchdown to tie the game up at twenty apiece. And you know and if you're a Cleveland Browns fan you know you you still if you're a Cleveland Browns fan that lived to see that game and lived and lived through it and was a you know was a cleveland during a cleveland you 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 won't you you won't get over it until the until the browns essentially go to the super bowl and they can they and they came close to 2020 but you but uh, you know and you you don't need me to tell you this i mean brown browns fans who who've been around who remember who remember the 86 afc championship game will tell you that that game eats 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 at them as you know, eats it eats at their uh, soul and eats at their heart like hell. And then and, and then you know so and uh, Marty got a bad break there because his defense, you know, allowed Elway to drive ninety eight yards down the field and they and they couldn't and they couldn't get and they couldn't and they couldn't get a stop, could not get a stop. Eight ninety eight yards ninety eight yards down the field, five minutes and thirty two seconds left. And and, Cle- and Cleveland couldn't couldn't get the uh couldn't get Denver off the field. So it that and that and it just absolutely flat out kills you. That game was in Cleveland. The eighty seven game took place took place at in Denver this time. This is the eighty seven is the eighty seven championship game. Uh and if you look at how Cleveland did in eighty seven in eighty six they went twelve and four. In eighty seven they went ten they went ten and five, won the division again, finished the regular season once again with a nice little winning streak. They won the they won the last three in a row, beat the Bengals, beat the Raiders, and beat the Steelers, and took care of business against the uh coast divisional uh round weekend, and then of course you go to the drive or excuse me, go to the fumble uh against uh against Denver. Uh, in the '87 championship game, this game—I mean, it, I mean—in that game, what is it known for? It's 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 known it's known for the fumble, but the Broncos jumped out to a 21-3 lead at halftime. Then Bernie Kosar, that the the quarterback out of the University of Miami, comes back and leads Cleveland. Comes back and leads Cleveland in the second half. With four second half touchdowns, and by the middle of the fourth quarter, you know, you know, eight, eight or eight or so, eight minutes or so change left. Middle of the fourth quarter, the game tied at thirty-one apiece. And the Broncos took took the lead again, once again on a long drive led by Elway, twenty-yard pass Elway to Sammy Winder, making it thirty-eight, thirty-one, Denver with six minutes left. And then they and then Cleveland responded. ball Denver's eight yard line with a with a buck twelve left to play. And then Ernest and then Ernest Biner, you know, gets gets the handoff and gets to about the one yard line and gets stripped by former Broncos defensive back Jeremiah Castle at the one yard line. Denver recovers. They run three. They run uh, three plays to uh, make. They run three plays taking intentional safety on fourth down to burn the clock and never wins the game 38-33 in a rematch to the 86 championship game to go on to the Super Bowl. I mean you want to I mean and, and and exactly a year after the 80 the 87 game was played on January 17th, the fumble and then and then the drive that game was played on January the 11th, so not exactly the same day, but same time next year, same two teams, same, uh, uh, you know, same things that are, are at stake. AFC Championship game goes to the Super Bowl. You know when the you know when the Ravens. When the Ravens went to the AFC Championship—not to make it about them—but when they went to the AFC Championship game and Lee Evans dropped the pass, which would have won the game for Baltimore in the 2011 Championship game, and then Billy Cundiff whiffed on a kick wide a million miles to the left, Ravens got back got back to New England at New England at Foxborough. And uh, and I th- and if I think if my memory serves me correctly, the pay- they held the Patriots to 13 points, all scored it within the first half in the 2012 championship game, and the Ravens made sure that that game didn't have to come down to a uh, last minute field goal at the end. And uh, one of the great football games, honestly, you're ever going to see is that 2011 AFC Championship game, the year where the Patriots won, not when the, you know, not when the Ravens won the year after. But you'd, that you'd think that Cleveland would be, you know, you'd think, now again, I wasn't alive to see it, so I don't exactly have a feel, I'm just reading, I'm just reading off of, you know, box scores and stuff like that. But you'd think that Cleveland, that Cleveland, you know, would make sure not to make the contest, but it was a contest. But it was. It was a contest. It was close, and Ernest Biner, you know, literally one yard away from potentially sending Cleveland to a Super Bowl, and he and he gets the ball stripped, stripped, from, stripped from him, and he fumbles the ball. Again, that's not you know, and Ernest Biner, who was a phenom- who was a phenomenal, phenomenal running back, and if you go back and uh, I should check out that box score for that game. Uh, to make sure that, uh, to make sure I get you a feel of what the, uh, of what the heck's going on. Um, if I could go back and pull up Ernest Biner's stats, um, from that, from that game, um, I will in just a minute. But it's just, you know, and it's still, and when, if you watch the 30 for 30, uh, and if you watch that 30 for 30, um, on uh the city of cleveland in their sports and their in their uh, in their uh shortcomings with their sports are concerned you know ernest Miner, it's it still eats it still eats him that he fum that he fumbled that 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 he uh that he fumbled that football um let me see i'm going to get it here in a minute uh let's see game logs that should uh that should help me in nineteen game logs in nineteen postseason. There we go. Now we're cooking with gas. Uh, the fumble, which was the eighty-seven season. Okay, so and just to give you just to give you a sense of how of uh, Ernest Byner's performance in that game, you know he had uh he had in that game fifteen carries for sixty-seven yards. And a touch and a touchdown, but uh, if you go back, I think if I think I got this right, he had a phenomenal day. In the second half, as far as getting Cleveland, he and Bernie Kosar for the man had a phenomenal time and did a phenomenal job getting Cleveland back into that game. Not to mention, if you go, not to mention if you go back and look. The week before against Indianapolis, he had he, he had 23 carries for 122 yards rushing and rushed for a touchdown. In the previous, you know, in the game previous against Cleveland, and in that season and in that 87 season, he ran for he ran for you know it wasn't it what is going to knock your socks off, but he ran for eight touchdowns. And uh, and four hundred thirty two ru- and thirty two rushing yards. So he now he granted he had a, a solid over a thousand yard season in nineteen eighty 1980, and nineteen eighty five. But he was he was a solid running back for Cleveland, and all these years it still eats at him. But it just goes to show you just the bad break that Marty that Marty shot that Marty Schottenheimer got. Um, I remember, uh, and then of course when he gets to Kansas, he gets to Kansas City, the one of his kickers. Decides, you know, to, to essentially kick himself out of the league, and he can't kick a field goal in between the up- uprights. He had that quarterback Bono, that wasn't any good. He still managed to get Kansas City uh, to the pl- to the playoffs. They went 11 and 5, 10 and 6, 10 and 6, 11 and 5, 9 and 7, 13 and 3, 9 and 7, 13 and 3, and that and that's from 1990 to 1997 with Kansas City. So they were a solid. Uh, regular season football team in the nineties, seven and nine, Kansas City they gave him the boot uh they had lo- i believe if I got this right with washington they won uh they they went they started like one and five and and Marty uh, rallied the troops and got them to finish out the season with an eight and eight record Dan Snyder didn't know how to run a football team was just in love with spurrier, so he ran Schottenheimer uh um Schottenheimer out the door. And then in two thousand, and then two thousand two goes eight and eight with uh, San Diego. Uh, four and twelve, they have a bad year in two thousand three. Two thousand and four, they go twelve. And two thousand four, they go twelve. And oh, this is when they had Drew Brees. This is uh, a little. This is you know before Philip Rivers' time. And they lose it. The, and they lose it. The, and they lose it. The, and they lose the, an overtime to the Jets on uh, you know in wild card. And they lose to the Jets on a uh, wild card weekend. Um, and then of course, if you go, they went uh, that team went 12 and four and won the AFC West. Yo, to 2005 went nine and seven in which they finished third in the West and failed to and failed to make the playoffs. And of course, as last year, there we went 14 and two and got the X. You know, got went 14 and two now, first in the AFC West and and got fired. Went 14 and two had a phenomenal had a phenomenal season the only two games they lost was week 4 to the was week 4 to the Ravens on the road that was after the week their week 3 bye week and then they lost week 7 at Kansas and they lost week 7 at Kansas City and they went on a phenomenal win streak where they didn't lose until that game against the Patriots from week 8 October the 29th to week 17 New Year's Eve of 2006 where they, you know, they beat, you know, here they beat the Rams, the Browns, the Bengals, the Broncos, the Raiders, the Bills, the Broncos, the Chiefs, the Seahawks, and the Arizona Cardinals. They, uh, I believe, they got number one seed. I believe they got number one seed that year in the A in the AFC. I believe, yeah. Do I have that right? Yeah, they, yeah, they were the number one. This, they were the number one seed. And Baltimore that year was the two seed because because Indianapolis who ended up winning the Super Bowl that year uh, had a home had a home game had a home game and then had to go on the road to play the Ravens and then came and then came home to play the uh, to play the AFC Championship because they had beaten the two seed to get to the AFC Championship because they beat Baltimore and then and then the Patriots. And then the Patriots went on the road and and beat um and beat the Chargers uh in that uh in that aforementioned game where the where the uh, where his, where his player didn't go down. And I heard this on the radio about last week week last week week before last that Marty Schottenheimer told his defense, "Hey, you get an interception, you know they turn over the ball, we get it, go down immediately." And the guy, and the guy, uh, you know, gets the interception, which essentially could have uh, sealed it for sealed it for San Diego. They go to the AFC Championship game. The Colts have to, uh, the Colts have to come to San Diego, uh, you know, instead of them losing and the Patriots going to Indianapolis. And you know, and he and he fumbles the ball, gives New England life, and New England loses the game. And the, excuse me, and the Chargers lose the game. By field goal twenty twenty four twenty one, so it's just so he just he's gotten just a bad 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 deal, um and and that was the last year he ever coached in the NFL it was that two thousand six season where he went where uh, where Marty Schottenheimer went off and the uh, and the Chargers went fourteen and went fourteen and two, if his playoff winning percentage is two seventy eight. Is two is two seventy eight. That's his playoff winning percentage. Coached in eighteen playoff games, went five and thirteen. Two seventy eight winning percentage lifetime in the playoffs. Had a six thirteen winning percentage all time. Winning exactly uh two hundred win, winning exactly two hundred games, going two hundred and one going two hundred one twenty six and one regular season lifetime as NFL uh, head coach. Coached from nineteen eighty four to two thousand and and uh six his his uh his his best days of course were uh were with uh with uh Kansas City and Cleveland uh Kansas City of course uh Kansas City won over 100 games that's also because his longest tenure time was with the Chiefs he was there for 10 years was with Cleveland for five Chargers for five and was with Washington only that one year but you know and you just, and if you go back and look at Mar- at Marty Schottenheimer's at, at Marty Schottenheimer's um and Marty Schottenheimer's career you know again, not a hall of fame coach cuz you know you got to you you got to win a super bowl in my eyes to be considered a hall of fame he of course it wasn't but you know it's he got he got bad breaks the drive the fumble the, you know the you know his his field goal kick, his field goal kicker went went berserk in Kansas City, and and when he got the San and he got and when he got to San Diego, yeah, he got the short end of the stick. He's just, you know, God bless him, you know, and he's. And, you know, if you ask all the players that ever played played at one time or another for Marty Schottenheimer, they say he's the greatest coach I've ever had. You know, Marty Ball, you know, solid defense, going to run the ball down your throat. You know, that old-school, old-fashioned type of football is what Marty Schottenheimer swore up and down about. That's how you – that's supposed – that's his – in his eyes, that's how you're supposed to play the game of football, and that's how you're supposed to win games. But – it's just an unfortunate uh, Of his passing If you go through his coaching tree Bruce Arians You know Who ended up Who won a Super Bowl You know Two weeks ago with Tampa uh, He is part of that coaching tree Cam Cameron uh, Was uh, part of that first, At least with the first half of the season I th- It's fair to say I mean Did the, did the Ravens give him a ring? I don't even remember But he was the offensive coordinator For the first half of the 2012 Championship Ravens season Bill Cowher was was a coach for Schottenheimer up in Cleveland. Um, he of course won a Super Bowl with the Steelers in two thousand five. Dungy won it the next year in two thousand six. He coached for Schottenheimer. He was his defensive backs coach. Um, Hugh Jackson also was part of his staff. Herm Edwards, Mike McCarthy, who also won a Super Bowl, uh, and just to uh, and that's just to name a few. Just to go through uh his, uh his um his coaching tree uh and then in marty of course his first NFL job was in 1975 with the Giants as their linebacker's coach then became defensive coordinator in 1977 78 79 he was linebacker's coach for Detroit uh, and he was with Cleveland from 80 from 80 to 84 as a defensive coordinator head coach of course from 85 to eighty eight was with Cleveland altogether with the organization from nineteen eighty to nineteen eighty to from nineteen eighty 1980 to nineteen eighty eight was with Kansas City as the head coach from eighty nine to ninety-eight uh Washington that won the year in two thousand one and then the Chargers from two thousand two to two thousand six where he sent him out the door and then in the UFL with the Virginia destroyers in two thousand eleven he won himself a championship with rest in peace Marty Rest in peace, uh, Vincent Jackson. And we will take a break and get to Fernando Tatis Jr. Coming up right after this. Welcome back to the I'm Metallica TIs podcast. Well, when I think when you think you have nothing to talk about, suddenly you do. Um, just news just broke. Um, right after I matter of fact, right after I finished the first segment, that um that uh, Fernando Tatis, he of the uh, San Diego Padres, has just uh, inked a fourteen year, three hundred and forty million dollar extension. With the San Diego uh, Padres uh, baseball club, uh, news just broke earlier this evening. Fernando Tatis, who who is already a Silver Slugger Award winner, um, who's already a Silver Slugger Award winner, has played two seasons, only one, of course, with the full 162, uh, and even then he's only played f He only played the 84 games in 2019. Um, played every game but one in 2020. Um, so far in his young career, he's a 301 hitter in his two in his pre, two uh, previously combined seasons with 39 RBIs, 98, or excuse me, 98 RBIs, 39 home runs, 168 hits, slugging percentage of 582, OPS of 956, uh, OPS of 956, slugging percentage of 582, on base percentage of three. Uh, of 374 in 2020, when the he of course uh propelled the Padres to make uh to make that best of three playoffs uh, series against the Cardinals last October, um he had two seven he had two seventy seven, seventeen home runs, forty five uh RBIs of course, and had an on base percentage of 366, slugging of 571, and an OPS of 937. Um, with the Padres in 2020, um, he is going to be. Uh, not that it means anything. He also will be your cover athlete for uh, MLB 21, the sh- MLB 21 the show, uh, and it looks like that. And baseball does need it. Um, because you're not getting anything with Mike Trout. Uh, you it looks like he he if he keeps it if he keeps up his solid play and just builds upon it and gets better and better and better as the seasons and as his career goes on, and uh you know gets the Padres to you know gets the Padres to an NLCS or a world or a world or gets them into a World Series scenario you could be looking at the future face of major league baseball the way, you know, that Mahomes is that Mahomes is with the NFL and 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 uh and LeBron still is with the National Basketball Association if he if, you know if he uh keep, if he keeps this up. Um just a phenom- short stop uh for the shortstop for the Padre's a phenomenal, phenomenal talent. Hits for power, hits for average I um, found a, 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 a very, 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 very good short defensive shortstop. Um, and of course, you remember that whole thing back, uh, you know, when they when they were in Texas with the swing on a three O count, and he doesn't, you know, and so I like that about him that you know he ain't afraid to piss off the old heads and the piss off the old farts and the traditionalists with the with this gooberish with this gooberish, ridiculous nonsensical childish uh, unwritten rules nonsense. So and I, if you recall, I came on here back in I think it was in either late July or early. August I came on here and I defended uh and I defended uh Ta- and I defended Tatis after that uh, whole fiasco with him and him in Texas and Texas getting all annoyed and everything else. So so I, I'm I'm a bit I'm a big Tatis guy. Baseball needs more Fernando Tatises and less uh bland, boring Mike Trouts. Um so good for him, good for that he got his money. A thing that would worry me. If you're a Padre fan, also your aesthetic, you're ecstatic because you're going to have him and Machado there in San Diego for a long, long time. The thing is, though, the thing that would worry me, and not to mention you, you just acquired snow in the offseason, so the Padres are essentially are, are trying to capitalize on this championship window that's obviously wide open in front of them. The, the thing though with San Diego the thing that I just that I would just be scared to death if I was a San Diego Padres fan is don't let this window slam shut in your face without without you taking an opportunity without you seizing a moment and winning at least at least one championship. You gotta, you gotta get to for this for this fat deal with Tatis Machado to be worth it and selling and signing Blake Snow and all this, You gotta make sure you get you. You need to make sure that you should be right. You should be giving the Dodgers hell. You should make the Dodgers sweat a little bit. You should, you know, not you know the Dodgers should be winning winning the NL West. You know, year after year after year after year after year by by an average of ten games or more. You you gotta you gotta make the Dodgers sweat. Sweat. The Rockies are bad. The Rockies are bad. Diamondbacks aren't good, and the Giants are are you know are going to be in it for the long haul as far as the rebuild is concerned. The, they got the Padres for this to, for this to be worth it, for this extension to be worth it, and for that big fat Machado contract. They got to they got to make the Dodgers sweat to win to win to win those NL West championship titles. They got to make them sweat a little bit, and when they get into the playoffs, whether as a wild card team in the National League or winning their division, they have. Have to make some noise. You can't just you know can't be losing the best of five series to the St. Louis Cardinals or the New York Mets or the Philadelphia Phillies or the Washington Nationals. Uh-uh, that ain't that that ain't gonna cut it, boys. You, big ear, you're, you're in the big leagues now. You, you made all this noise with 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 your free agency signings and your extensions and these big moves that you have made the last couple of years. It's time. It's it's put up a shut up time now. Y'all got not, this year. This year, if you don't make the World Series, eh, no big deal. You're still a young, inexperienced baseball team. But come twenty, come twenty, twenty two, twenty twenty three, twenty twenty four, twenty twenty five, yeah, I better see y'all playing in a World Series, or else this will blow up in y'all's faces so fast, and it will get so ugly in San Diego that that it will it will make your skin crawl. I again, and I said it, and I said it with um. And I said it with uh, Mahomes, and obviously, I am not def- I am not nowhere. I'm not a favor of signing these guys to these big contracts that are longer than five years, let alone 14 years. I mean, you're signing your entire freaking career away. And a lot of times, when these guys sign these contracts for over for over, uh, let's say, let's just give it a base at over uh, eight years or more a lot of times they do not stay there the full eight, 8 9 10 11 12 13 14 15 years they don't stay there it's just nature of the beast the team the team stinks the player is the player drops off you know uh they get caught a la A-Rod with the steroids you know something happens where where that where that whole where that contract isn't ex, isn't as smooth sailing as they envision it when they're at the negotiating table Hopefully that isn't the case for the Padres' sake with Machado and Tatis. Uh, hopefully this doesn't blow up in their uh, face catastrophically. But again, if I'm them, come 2022 at the earliest, and and come the mid 2020s, they need to be in. If not, have already won a World Series in order to in order to prove that, regardless of what happens from there on out, once Tatis and Machado start hitting their 30s, to make the to make these uh, long, hefty, and expensive contracts worth it. They had they 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 got they got to get to a few World Series they 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 had to you can't be paying Machado and Tatis this this humongous amounts of money and not go to and not and not go to a over a long period of time and not go to and or win a World Series if because if they don't it, this whole experiment and this whole process with with uh, signing Machado and free agency a few years ago now Tatis now and going out and go get Blake Snell and go getting. Uh, Hosmer, who was a free agent after his days with the Royals, came to those days over, or 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 excuse me, not those days will be over. That will all be for naught if the Padres don't rack up at the minimum one World Series championship. In the next couple of seasons, they gotta they gotta at least get to one. By the time by the time they're by the time Machado and Tatis are are closing in on about. Six, seven, eight years on their con on their uh, on their big fat deals. The 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 Padres should have at least one championship in their back pocket. There's no reason. There's no reason why they can't. No reason why they can't. The Dod- the Dodgers can't be in the World Series and can't win it every year. Come on, it's from a Padres perspective. It's put up a shut up time and don't and don't let these big. T- uh, contract extensions you got with Tatis and Machado go in vain, because if they do and you get no championship out of it, this will be this will be looked at and will be remembered for a long, long time, and and will go and once again will go into the shrine of these big, of these big, hefty, expensive long tedious uh, contract extensions in the sport that that never work that never work out in the long run and aren't and aren't worth it in the long run. So if you're the Padres, again, not expecting you or not asking you to win in 2021, but 20, 2022, 2023 and beyond, you all should you all should be right there well, every every year. Every year I should see Who's favored to go to World Series in the National League? Y'all should be at the top of that list every single year. I understand that you know that the Dodgers are a tough competition now, but you but don't again, don't 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 let don't let the Dodgers you know win the National League West for the ninth or the tenth year in a row. You know by uh, by a by a dozen games. If they win the division, be it as it may, but make them sweat a little bit. Make make them sweat. Make them earn it a little bit. You know, and we and, and and if you end up making the playoffs anyway as a wild card team, don't don't lose in a best of five series to you know to a uh, you know to the you know to the uh, you know to the uh, to the New York Mets or the uh, or the Washington Nationals or the Philadelphia Phillies. Do do something in the postseason, Machado. That includes you. i I'm, I'm a big Machado fan, of course, formerly of my Baltimore Orioles, but. Lifetime and Machado's play, and I understand 2012. You know, he had a cup of coffee with the Orioles when they lost in that best of five series to the Yankees. And I understand he didn't play during that 2014 run with the Orioles because he wrecked up his knee. But for the small sample size that I've gotten with Machado, that's, that's, the, that's the 18 World Series with the Dodgers, that's the 2016 wild card game with the Orioles against the Blue Jays, and of course, in 2020 with the Padres. Machado has done virtually nothing, nothing in the playoffs. I believe he's a sub-200 hitter in so far lifetime postseason Machado in the postseason. So not just Tatis Machado, you, you got paid a hefty contract to show up in the postseason. To make you know, to 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 you know, to prove to the prod, to prove to your bosses that this big contract is worth it, because when you, because you know, when you're trying to, when you're trying to compete for World Series, you you can't you can't you know you can't you know hit you can't set the world on fire from April to September, and then October comes, you know you you, you can't you can't hit your way out of a paper bag. It doesn't work that like that. When you're making when you're making boatloads of money, done not doesn't work like that. But the but the Padres got to make this window count, unless uh, unless they uh, want to live with uh, hella regrets come uh, two thousand and thirty five. But that's your show, and that's my thoughts on the Tatis extension. If you love the show, please subscribe. If you're new to the show, please subscribe. If you haven't already, follow your boy on Instagram at, and Twitter, at Shield. Follow the show on Instagram, at Amatella underscore podcast, and the show on Twitter, at Amatella underscore it, T-I-S. It's your boy, Jai Shields. Talk to you all this weekend. Y'all stay safe and take care. See you.